here we are. We are in part three in our Lost in the Wild series. All right, so uh, we're going to cover this topic through February. So we'll have today, we'll have a couple more uh, weeks to come. And then in March, we start what I call our Easter giving series. Now, what does that mean? That means we will talk about giving. We will talk about the importance of giving because on Easter, we give our entire offering away. All right? For those of you that, that, that are, are new here and, you, and, and you know, this will be your first Easter season with us, we, we also we run our church budget off of 51 weeks out of the year, not 52, because everything that comes in that week, we give away to these international missions that we support. So like Kim said, we, we do a Brazil water filter project uh, in the Amazon. We supply clean drinking water. A water filter, we, we supply water filters for clean drinking water. Costs $195. Now in that, you get a filter to give to a family. You also supply the salary for these guys who make these filters. I know these guys. I go down there and spend time with them every summer. And it's, it, they're just the greatest group of guys. It's a vineyard association in Brazil. But you're actually paying their wages to make these filters. And then we have uh, Haiti. Feed a child. You can feed a child for one year in Haiti for $180. And then in Vietnam and Cambodia, you can buy a wheelchair for $75 and help somebody have some dignity back in life. So in a few weeks, Henry Diani, he oversees Vietnam. He's going to be going there at the beginning of March. Steve Fitter oversees Haiti. So, so we will be talking about these ministries, and I oversee Brazil. We'll be talking about these. We'll talk to Henry and Steve, and we'll let you know how they're going, what's happening. And then what does it mean to give, to give to the kingdom? So in our family, we give sacrificially, like, like we try to outdo the previous year. I've talked to God about it. I'm just now in the process of like, God, you know, what do you think? What are we going to do? I think it's $450 for one of each. Church, if each one of us, right, one person, every person in this, in this room right now, bought one of each, $450, sacrificed maybe, saved some money, you would change lives, Literally. Last year, this church, we gave $76,000 to these three ministries. I know you gave sacrificially. I know that. So, so we're going to be praying for that. We're going to be speaking about that. And I'm going to be encouraging you in the month of March you know, to, to think about uh, giving to these, to these ministries. And by the way, they are on our website in the giving designation area. So you can start giving now. You can do your taxes now and get that refund back. You know, the money that you loan the government to use that you get so happy about getting back, right? All right, so, yeah, don't get me started. Let's, 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 do, let's do some fun stuff. So, so that's what we got coming up. Now, back to our series. So this series, right, this series that we're talking about, I, I feel really passionate about sharing it with you guys because it is designed to help us in the journey of finding our identity in Jesus, our identity in Christ, who we were created to be, and what our role is in the kingdom of God. This could be the million-dollar question for some of us. Some of us know what we're doing for the kingdom, but some of us are like, you've been talking about this identity, Chip, and I just, I, it's confusing to me. So I'm going to give you two examples, 
All right? One is me, and the other one is somebody else close to me, which is through observation. So how do I figure out my identity in Jesus? Well, my identity in Jesus is the role of a shepherd, right? I've been called to pastor a church. I've been called to oversee the, the daily operations of this church, the people who call this church their home, right? The pastor doesn't get to pick who comes to the church. The people pick the church, and they come for whatever reason. And this is your church. This is God's church that we are all a part of. And so my role here on this earth in God's kingdom is to point you to Jesus, help you become a better person in Christ, help you to figure out your identity in Christ, and any other kind of things that go on about that where people need some help, I'm available. And I have a passion. I love it. And you know what people are? We are a messy bunch, aren't we? We are. All of a sudden, our life is going along just fine, and then boom, we made a mistake, we did something, something happened, and now we've found ourselves, I need some help. And so that's why we're here, to help each other. Right? Amen? Amen. And then also, I'm a father. I'm a, I'm a husband and a father. So I consider that kind of kingdom-minded. If Here's where, where your starting point could be. Here is the priorities in order for our lives. God, family, work, and then ministry. If it's not in that order, you've got it out of order. So my work and ministry are the same. It's a little bit different for me. But it should be in that order, all right? Now, I'll share with you what I think Kim's identity is in the kingdom. I, I, I have a pretty a better idea of to observe her on her day-to-day but here's what Kim's identity is in the kingdom, right? Musicianship within the kingdom. I know there's other musicians up here, and you all are good, but I don't think anybody is as good as Kim. <laughs> Elric is a close second, all right, because I love Elric. <laughs> Brian, you're, you're there. <laughs> but she's, she's phenomenal in music, okay? But she also has a career as a teacher, so she's a teacher. She actually works two jobs, just so you know. All right? She has a passion for teaching children English as a second language. And she's really good at it. Kids come to her school. They, they're just new to this country. And by the end of the school year, she has them teaching English or uh, speaking English. Whether they're from uh, Africa, uh, the Middle East, uh, uh, Asian uh, countries, I don't know how she does it. It's a gift. Right? So... One of her, her giftings is music, but she also leads, she leads, teaches, and directs the music here at the church, right? But she's good at teaching people new things. It's a gift that she has. Some careers out there I would call callings as well, like uh, teaching is a calling, a first responders, the medical field, uh, uh, military, anything that we're, we're like, you put your life in danger, or, or your, your role in your job is to help people, I can consider that a calling. You know, um, and so Kim, I would say that her identity in the kingdom is shepherding and teaching because she's gifted in teaching. She has a heart for the well-being of others, but she's also gifted at equipping the saints. And she has a heart for the ladies here at this church. She leads a life group with the ladies. She's constantly checking up with who needs what. And, and that's a passion. And it's, it's a part of something that God has laid on her heart. And then again, not to mention, she's a wife and a mom. 
So I hope that that kind of gives you an idea, like, like how do I figure out my role in the kingdom? What is my identity in the kingdom, all right? Now, our identity for Jesus is what we do for the kingdom. And today what we're going to do is we are going to look at what I'm calling identity indicators. Now, these are things about us, our characteristics, things that make up our identity, and things that will help determine our identity in Jesus. These are the things that, that make up who we are before we start doing things for the kingdom, right? There's all kinds of things about us that plays into this whole thing. So we're going we're gonna to look at that. Um, now, if you remember last week, we looked at a couple verses in Psalm 139. So we're going to use this to kind of as a, as a springboard for today. Psalm 139, verse 14, the psalmist is speaking to God, and he says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how, how marvelous, how well I know it. God has made each one of us wonderfully complex. Think about it. Think about not just this thing up here that's so complex, but our respiratory, circulatory, muscular, all of that that makes our bodies work. I think it takes more faith to believe in a random design than a creator. We, we, there, there was a creator that created us, right? I mean, everything about us. But this is how the reason we're so wonderfully complex is because God created each one of us in such a unique way that there is nobody else on the planet just like you. We are all our own person individually. There may be some people similar. There may be some people that are kind of like you, but nobody is just like you. And that's what makes us unique. That's what makes us special. And that is why God loves each one of us in such a unique way. Now, to add to that, Proverbs chapter 1 says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and correction. Now, I often get asked this question that about, about the fear of the Lord, right? Like, like, what exactly does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean to, to be scared of or to cower away from or to tiptoe around God. The fear of the Lord means to be in awe of, to hold him to the highest of esteems, to revere him. And in the context of this verse, it means extreme respect. So we could read this like this. The extreme respect of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But a fool does not like outside help or any kind of correction. But we are to respect God with all that we have. And that's a good starting point. Now, a few things, though, before we get started, and some of you will probably already know this, but just in case you don't, this all plays into our identity and who we are from the very beginning of life up until now. We have to understand that everything in this world that we live in is broken, right? This world is a broken world. It's a flawed world. It's an imperfect world. It's not what God originally created, okay? As a result of Adam and Eve's rebellion, the trust that they had with God was broken and they caused sin to enter the world. And now each one of us is born with a sinful nature. It was perfect, the Garden of Eden. 
everything was perfect, just the way God wanted it to be. And he said, you can have everything in here except that tree. Well, most of us know the story. Along comes Satan, disguised as a serpent, gets Eve to question the word of God, and then they eat from that tree. The trust is now broken, causing sin to enter into the world. And now nothing operates as originally intended. Everything about mankind and everything about this earth is imperfect due to sin until Jesus returns to set up his kingdom to rule and reign once again. But until then, we have to understand that we live in, this is the devil's kingdom right now. But God's kingdom comes crashing in at times. But that is the question. Why do good things, why do bad things happen to good people? Because this is an imperfect world. It's not God's fault. It's an imperfect world. God has set restrictions on himself, parameters on himself, until Jesus returns. Then everything will be perfect again. But until then, it takes us as those who believe in him and follow him to help usher in his kingdom into the lives of those around us who don't have faith in him. See? So so now, because of all that, what did God do? He sent his son to save us from all of this. Those of us who put our faith in Jesus, we know that it's not a perfect world, but we also know that Jesus will see us through all the hard times that we deal with. It is in Jesus that we get things turned around somewhat here on this earth. When you're struggling with things in your life that you can't stop or you can't, you don't understand, and it's just like, and then you start saying, well, this is just who I am. No, it isn't. Because Jesus can get that turned around. He's our Savior. It is in Jesus, and Jesus alone, we will live forever in a perfect world called heaven. We will not get to heaven if we don't have our faith in Jesus. That's that's the non-negotiable for me. I will listen to some, some... some skewed theology without, you know, putting my hat in a ring. But when it comes to that, that's one of the things. You cannot get to heaven outside of Jesus. End of discussion. You know? Now, because of this, because of sin, we live in an imperfect world, right? But thank you, God, for your grace that we have Jesus. So those are two things to always keep in mind. We live in a sinful, imperfect world. We have a sinful nature. But because of the grace of God, we have Jesus. Now, the first thing to factor in when figuring out our identity is our DNA. Our chemical, our biological, the makeup of our bodies, right? Everything about us. Now, by the way, we do have a class that in, in this church that, that is happening right now. And it will happen until the end of, of May or mid-May. It's called School of Kingdom Ministry, otherwise known as SOCOM. And in that, you learn how to move in the gifts of the Spirit. You learn all about God's kingdom. But the most important thing you learn is your identity in Christ. And so that's a, that's a pretty well-invested class. It's a nine-month class. So we'll, we'll, we'll do it again in September of, ne- of this year. But I would really encourage you to sign up for that because it will teach you so much about the kingdom of God and about yourself. Our DNA right, is the root core to who we are. When, you know, uh, um, 
crime shows and stuff, what is the one thing they do, right? Let's get some DNA. Let's figure it out with the DNA. That is something that God has put in us that identifies us beyond anything else or anybody else. It's the, chemi- it's the, the chemistry, the biology, the biology of our bodies. It's the deficiencies that we have as well because of the sinful world. Sometimes we have deficiencies. Sometimes we have chemical imbalances. We deal with uh, depression and anxiety, or maybe we have sicknesses, or, or maybe an illness that we deal with. Maybe we've been born with it. We wish we didn't. We just don't know. It's all about the fact that we live in an imperfect world. But sometimes we have deficiencies, and it's a part of our DNA. It's the way we deal with things, our DNA. Our DNA helps, helps us become attracted to things or not attracted to things. It's the uniqueness of our thought process. We all process things differently. How well do, do, do our bodies handle stress? Stress affects our bodies. How about sickness, happiness? All the range of emotions falls under our DNA. Even what we see as flaws and imperfections about us, God will use for his glory. There's a street pr- uh, preacher, evangelist by the name of Todd White. I, li- I love watching his videos because, you know, he just makes things happen. He, he, he's, he's a cool-looking dude anyways. He's got dreads. If he comes up to me, I'll probably pretend like I'm not saved. I just want him to pray for me. <laughs> Maybe not. But I, I watch his videos, right? Well, on his team is a lady who has an oxygen mask and, 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 and thing, right? I, I don't know what the deal is. All I know is there's something about her where she needs oxygen. And it's not stopping her from praying for people. It's not stopping her from allowing God's Holy Spirit to move through her and usher in the kingdom of God to somebody else. Amen? So that's kind of where I'm I'm going with that. Now listen, a guy that we all should know really well who wrote most of the New Testament had an imperfection he dealt with. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had what he called a thorn in his flesh. A messenger of Satan sent to torment me. We're not too sure what it is. There's all kinds of theories out here. But here's the deal. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Now, how many times have we said, God, please heal this this pain, this, this hip, this knee, this shoulder, my back? God, just heal it, man. I, I, I don't like walking around like this all the time. Like, but sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. Why is that? I don't know. We have to be comfortable in the I don't know. If we get focused on the why don't you, God, we'll never get outside of ushering in the kingdom for somebody. We'll be so focused on ourselves, and then we'll start getting mad at God for not healing us. I don't know why he heals some and not the others. I don't know. I wish I had an answer for that. All I do know is what he told Paul is, listen, Paul, I know what you're going through, but here's the deal. My grace works best in your weakness. It's just something you're going to have to deal with. It's, 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 It's just the way it is. Does God make us become sick or make us deal with diseases so that, so that we can do? No, he does not. He does not send sickness or disease to us. If that were the case, then don't go to the doctor seeking help. Welcome it and say, thank you, God, for the fact that I can't walk anymore. My, my knees are bad. My everything's bad. 
No, we just don't know, all right? But God will work in that, and he'll use that to usher in the kingdom of others. He used, he used Paul. He uses our weaknesses, our imperfections, and all of that to shine his glory through to others, all right? So, so that's our DNA. Now, the second factor that we look at that can help with us with our identity is our connections, our relationships. We are a product of those who we allow into our lives, okay? Now, initially, we don't get to choose this. We don't get to choose our families. We don't get to choose our parents. We don't get to choose our initial surroundings until we become adults and then we, we pick and choose who we want to hang out with. But initially, we don't get to choose that. But the way we see ourselves is often determined by what we think the most important people in our lives think of us. The way we see ourselves is the compliments somebody gives us, the negative reaction somebody gives us, and then we, that feeds us. It feeds our esteem. It feeds who we are. It's what leads to our self-image, our self-esteem, our self-worth, the confidence that we have in life or lack thereof. People who have healthy relationships, they have a good support system, right? They, they, they are not asking if their life matters, because they know it matters. They had a good uh, family. They had uh, all the good, th you know, all the good, healthy stuff growing up. They knew to surround themselves with, with good people who, who would build them up and encourage them. They're not asking if their life matters because they know it does because of those who are around them. They have healthy relationships, and this feeds their identity. Now, there are some people, we, we, we've grown up in, in dysfunctional households, and maybe we only had one parent, maybe we didn't have any parents, maybe we, maybe we were adopted, maybe we were, you know, in foster homes, you know, some of this stuff that we don't have any control over. Or maybe there's just dysfunction, right? Then there's often this feeling of a disconnect. And now you don't feel as if your life matters, nor does it have any significant meaning. And with that comes a feeling of low self-worth, low self-esteem. And that also feeds into our identity, right? I, I know some of you in here have a really good, healthy support system, and, and, and I, I love seeing that because, because like when I hear that you're going kind of through it, I don't have to worry so much about you because I'm like, well, they've got it. You know, like, for instance, Joe and Darcy Phillips. They are known for being like people who take care of others. I mean, they're just known for that. But they have a good, healthy support system, and they know what that, they know what that, the value in that, you know? Mark and Chris Poland, they know the value in that. Pastor Dave and Roxana, they know the value in having a good support system around you and being that person who says, I'm going to help you through this. So, now, listen to this. The original sin, right, that Adam and Eve uh, brought into the world gave them a disconnected feeling with God. They ate from the fruit they were not supposed to eat from. God comes, this is, this is in, the, in Genesis, God comes walking into the garden to spend time with Adam and Eve, and they're hiding from him. He says, why are you hiding from me? And they said, well, because we're naked and we didn't want you to see us. He says, well, who told you you were naked? And then he found out. And thus became the first sacrifice for mankind. God killed an animal to make 
clothes for them, and that was the first sacrifice. And we see it through Genesis all the way up to Jesus, the way God sacrifices and then his son for us. But it brought a disconnect. Like, so listen, listen to this. The relationship with them and God was now broken from that point on. They no longer felt comfortable with God or to be around him. They hid from him. When there is a disconnect in our relationships, it keeps us from being our true selves. When we don't have healthy relationships, a good support system, we don't understand what the value of that because all of this negativity and dysfunction has fed who we are and we are not our true selves. We, we put a mask on, a facade. We, we pretend we're somebody we're not. A man comes up to Jesus one day. He says, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? What, what is it? What's the greatest commandment you got? Jesus, Jesus says, this is in uh, Matthew 20, 22. No, this is an easier one. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Oh, and there's another one equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire Bible is summed up in those two sentences. Love God with everything you've got and love the people around you just like you would take care of yourself. It's all about relationship, connections, our connection with God and our connection with others. That's what life is all about. Our connection with God reflects our connection with others and vice versa. If we're dysfunctional down here with people, we're going to be dysfunctional in our relationship with God. If we're hiding from God because we don't want him to know there's things we're doing, we're going to be a different person around others around us. We're not going to be our true selves. God created us for fellowship. He created us for relationships. That's why we crave relationships. That's why we crave being around people. That's why we fear rejection. Nobody wants to be rejected. Nobody wants to be the last one picked. There's something inside us that says, this isn't good. I don't like this feeling. Because God created us for relationships. Our connection with others, all right, both healthy and unhealthy connections, feeds our identity. So we have our DNA, and then we have relationships, connections. The third factor in all of this is our circumstances. All right, again, these are the things um, that circumstances help make up our identity. Uh, and, and so far... These three things, including circumstances, are things that we don't have any control over. We have choices that we make. We'll get to that, that determine our circumstances. But these are things that we, that we, we didn't choose, such as the trials and troubles that we faced in life, the stuff we didn't ask for. I didn't ask for this. I, I didn't, I didn't the, the home life that I grew up in, I didn't ask for that. Our circumstances are, are like the traumas, the suffering, the shame, the stress, the problems, the pressure, all the junk that has been on our path in life. And, and there's no doubt, these things definitely affect who we are, right? But we cannot allow them to become who we are because then that gets projected to everybody else that we come in contact with. 
our coworkers, our friends, everybody gets to be a recipient of all that stuff that we're harboring in, that hurt, that pain, that shame, that, you know, all of that. And some things take years to process. I totally get that. And I think you get all the time you need. Sometimes it takes years for forgiveness. Sometimes it takes years to, to heal those memories, to heal those wounds. And I think you get all that you need. And also, while I was reviewing uh, uh, this last night, I, I, I want to, if there is anybody here who, who like, you're like, oh, please don't, don't go any further into this. I don't like talking about this stuff. I believe that Jesus wants you to know like, okay, here, here it is right here. This is, this is what, I, what kind of the thought I had last night. If you've dealt with such stuff, maybe growing up, and you, and you said, God, where were you in that? Why didn't you help me? God wants you to know, I am sorry that that happened. I was there. It's just that everything in the world is broken. I didn't give you a life for you to go through that. It was the circumstances of where you were at. But I will use your pain and your experience to bring glory to my name as you help somebody else in life. Amen? Amen? Amen. But, but hear me. Jesus, I, I, I feel this so deep in my, in, my, in my spirit. Jesus wants you to know I am sorry that happened. It wasn't me. I wasn't not there. But there are parameters and, 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 and things of my nature that just, it just happens. So there's that. Maybe we'll touch on that later. I don't know. But, but in Jesus, it is in Jesus that our circumstances can be used in a way that brings glory to his kingdom instead of pulling us away from him. You know, oftentimes we, 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 we don't want anything to do with God because we don't understand why this stuff happened. I think Peter said it best in 1 Peter chapter 5. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. He cares about us. He says, give them all to me. I care about you. And in that is the healing. You know what? Even if you need to go to your room and shut the door and yell at God for, to get it out of your system, he's a big boy. You know, you don't want to you know, like give him the finger and stuff and just yell at him that way. Just, you know, I'm hurting, God. I'm hurting. I need your help. I know. Did I just say that? <laughs> we don't want to blame him, but we, we want to release stuff to him. Give it to him because he cares about us. He cares about us. All right, so circumstances, two more. The fourth indicator in determining our identity, and I can't pronounce this word, consciousness. I can't say conscience. Kind of like donkey. <laughs> consciousness, all right? Our consciousness influences our identity because that's how we talk to ourselves. That's that inner voice that we have, right? It's also the inner voice that we struggle with because that's the voice that believes and doesn't believe whatever is being fed into us. Like, for instance, that's the voice when somebody is trying to help you in life that you walk away going, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, they're trying to help you. 
That's also the voice that when somebody is complimenting you, saying you did a good thing, that you say, I'm not. I am not. There's no way I'm that good, right? Because you have a low self, you know, you just, mm. It's that voice that, that when, when, you know, we believe that voice. It's our inner voice. We believe it more than we believe anybody around us because sometimes that's all we got. But it's also what the voice of God sounds like, that still, small, quiet voice within us. And so after a while, we, we got to determine, am I hearing from God or is this just me? Now, over the years, I've, I've learned to discern God's voice. I've learned to discern when it's him talking to me, but, but I also like, all right, God, I, you know, is that you? And, and there's kind of a, a little bit of a pattern that kind of works there, but, but it's also something that I'm still constantly like dialing in because it's the adventure with God. Sometimes when I think it's him, I'm like, well, nope, I, I, maybe not, you know. Maybe it was just me. But, but I've learned to kind of identify with that. And I always just give the benefit of the doubt. If I'm thinking about it, and this thought came out of nowhere, and I'm still thinking about it three days later, God, what are you trying to tell me? What is it that you want me to do? The voice of God, here's a couple ways to determine this, will always bring peace and direction. It won't bring fear and confusion. And it will always line up with his word. The voice of God is never going to call you to commit adultery. The voice of God is never going to call you to do something immoral. All right? That's not the voice of God. Those are like the easy ones I picked. But you, you get the gist of that. Now our consciousness, though, sometimes it has a way of bringing like some panic and, and some fear. Like... God's voice will bring peace, calmness, direction, but our consciousness kind of goes off the rails sometimes. And check this out. Even Job, we know this, we, those of us know the story of Job, man, he, he went through it. He was the most righteous man on earth, and, and Satan comes to God and says, hey, I bet I can get your boy Job to curse you. And God says, I don't think you can, but you can give it a try. Here's your parameter. You can just do this no more. Check this out. In, in Job chapter 3, here's what Job says. What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, only trouble comes. Does that sound a lot like us sometimes? I knew this was going to happen. Things were going too well. <laughs> that gives me some comfort, right? Because there's no doubt that Job had went through a very traumatic turn of events. But apparently, he's no different than us in the fact that he was the most righteous man on earth, but he had this lurking thought in the back of his head that someday this is all going to fall apart. Something bad is going to happen. And then when it did, he said, I knew it. I knew it. I knew this was going to happen. So, so we need to be aware of, of our emotions and, and our fears and the thoughts that, that, that we fight because they have a way of influencing our identity. And that's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 4 to guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. God speaks to our hearts. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. 
Don't let people sway you away from what you think you're, you're doing right. If you're, if you're in, immersed in the word and you're doing things for the kingdom and somebody comes along and says, why are you doing that? And then you buy into it. Guard your heart. That's what the Bible says. And lastly, the choices we make. The choices. They are an indicator as to how our identity is formed. And this is probably, you know, we, here's the thing. We are the only living beings created in the image of God. What does that mean? Well, it means God doesn't have a tail. Four legs. It means he's got ten fingers, ten toes. No. It means we are a three-part being, just like God. We are body, mind, and spirit. Our mind is our soul. It's our intellect. Our spirit is what God speaks to. God is a three-part being, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the image that we are created in. We're the only ones. Animals don't have three-part beings, only human beings. We are created for relationship, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what a three-part being was created for. But in this, we've been given free will. You got some coins there. In this, you've been given, we've been given free will. So we make good choices. We make bad choices. We choose healthy environments. We choose unhealthy environments. We make mistakes and we choose whether or not we want to correct those mistakes. It's our choice. We've been given the free will to choose. But here's the deal. Our choices in life can be both a blessing and a curse. But one thing's for sure, the choices we make affect our identity. They affect who we are. They affect the things that we have to go through, healthy or unhealthy choices, right? And there's a lot in our lives that we did not choose, you know, like we've said before. We didn't choose, but we do choose how we're going to respond, how we're going to let that person, that event, that circumstance affect us. We do get to choose that, and sometimes... That's a hard road to travel. But you know, there's kind of, an, it's kind of an, a debate out there that, or an argument or whatever that Christianity is for people who can't think for themselves. Right? Anybody hear that? That offends me. Because I, I like to think I'm some... I, don't, I know I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I'm not the dumbest either, right? Like, I can think for myself, right? If somebody tells you you can't think for yourself, don't you all of a sudden realize, like, well, who are you? You know, like, I will break it to you easy. We can think for ourselves. We've been given free will. Here's the thing. This is the best thing about God. Ready? He clearly gives us the option. And he clearly lays out the path for each option that we take. In other words, he lets us choose. He lets us think for ourselves, but he says, hey, if you go down this path, here's what will happen. If you go down that path, here's what will happen. And in Deuteronomy with Moses, when God was establishing his nation, and they were about to head into the land of Canaan and overtake all these pagan nations that were doing despicable things that God, he couldn't stand it happening to other human beings again. It was just, it was terrible what was happening. So he was giving this, this land of milk and honey to the Israelites. But he says to them, Listen to this. This is Moses speaking to them. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. Now listen. 
Today, I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. If your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan River to occupy. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. If you do this, this will happen. If you do that, that will happen. Now, Jesus, Jesus told us something very similar as well. He said in Matthew chapter 7, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. It's a much more difficult life to live when we live for Jesus. It's a harder life, but it's worth it. Romans chapter 8 says this, verse 7, For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why the road to hell is wide and many people travel it because their sinful nature has taken over. So we must make a conscious effort to continue our journey toward the kingdom. Now, we'll close out. This will be a little bit, a little longer closer than normal, but I'll, I'll try to kind of get through it really quick. We cannot choose our DNA, the biology of our bodies, the makeup, the chemistry, imbalances, all this stuff that we have going on, how we're wired, but we can talk to our creator about it. In Psalm 119, the psalmist said, you made me, you created me, now give me the sense to follow your commands. Maybe you deal with depression, anxiety, maybe you've got an illness or something that just won't let up. God, you made me, you created me, help me with this. Help me deal with this. Help me follow your commands. Help me be the person you want me to be so that your glory will shine through these things I'm dealing with. Everything about us is centered on our relationship with Jesus. And all things can come together when we follow his ways, when we follow his commands, and when we follow his word. God's word can help us. God's word can help us get all the things about us that we cannot control to a manageable place. That's what God's word can do. And in this, I would say, our identity begins to become formed, right? Connections, relationships, the initial connections we have in life will help determine our identity. We, we don't get to choose that, though. But as we get older, who do we allow to speak in our lives? Who are we making connections with, healthy or unhealthy? Our circumstances, the pain, the trauma, the troubles, the things that we find ourselves facing that nobody else has gone through. Maybe their situation was similar to yours, but yours is yours. The way we deal with them is an indicator to how our identity is formed. Our consciousness, the inner voice that drives what and who we listen to and how we form our opinions along the way. Who is our influence? Is it our own voice? Is it the enemy that we allow? Is it the voice of God's Holy Spirit? Is it our sinful nature? Here's a way that we can 
here's a kind of a, a way that we can know that we're going to be focused on the voice of God. Philippians chapter 4. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you. All of those things that are listed in that verse can be found in this book. Think about that. Set your sights on that. Set your mind on that. And then finally, our choices. The choices we make in life, they determine our identity. Bottom line is this. When we choose Jesus, everything falls into place. All the stuff that was in disarray now becomes in order. It's amazing. When we choose Jesus, we are intentional on who our connections are. When we choose Jesus, he can heal he can even rewire our chemistry makeup, the imbalances and the things that, 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 are, that are a part of our DNA. We're intentional on our connections, who we hang out. We, we understand that my inner core group of friends need to be like-minded believers. When we choose Jesus, we are intentional on listening to and for the voice of God above all the other noise that we hear. When we choose Jesus, he sees us through all the circumstances we find ourselves in that bring hurt and pain. And when we choose Jesus, we become a new person. The old is gone, the new has come. And we no longer place our identity in any of the above-mentioned things that we've talked about today. Our identity is now centered on our relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. I thank you, Jesus, for the fact that we are so wonderfully complex. And you created each one of us to be the individual that you created us to be. There is not another person on this earth who is like us. And for that, I thank you. So God, I pray for each...